You're listening to the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health podcast series, where we aim to support healthcare innovation by disseminating knowledge of expert leaders at the Royal Society of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Marla Morkin. Welcome to this episode of the Digital Health podcast series from the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health Council. As always, all views expressed in this episode are of the speakers themselves and not of the RSM. We have a special edition of our podcast series today, recorded remotely during the COVID-19 lockdown. I speak with two key digital health leaders who give their insights on how clinical medicine and pharmacy have rapidly adapted during the pandemic and how innovation has really been accelerated. Dr. Sam Shah has worked for many years at NHS England and was Director of Digital Development at NHSX until recently. Sam is now a Digital Health Advisor and is working frontline as a clinician during the pandemic. We are also joined by Stephen, who is a founder of Echo, the NHS pharmacy app that delivers medications directly to patients' doors. And he is also an NHS Innovation Accelerator Fellow. We answer the big questions. Is the NHS coping with the demand during the pandemic? And how is digital health accelerating in this unprecedented time? Enjoy. So welcome to this podcast episode. Today we are lucky enough to be joined remotely by not just one but two leaders in the digital health space. We've got Sam and Stephen both on the line here and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Stephen. I'm co-founder of Echo Pharmacy. And I'm also an innovation uh, fellow in the NHS. Hi, Marla. Hi, Stephen. Uh, Sam here. I'm a digital advisor to a number of startups. I'm also a clinician in the NHS and previously worked in NHS England, NHSX uh, in digital development. So it's awesome to have you both on. I think today we really want to get to the bottom of what is going on in the pharmacy world, what is going on in the clinical world um, right now to do with coronavirus, as everyone's talking about. And I think the first question I have for you guys is, um, um, I mean, how did you guys get into the RSM digital health stuff? Have you been following um, the RSM events and following on the Twitter? Is there anything you particularly like? Well, I think it's been great. The RSM has really helped push the agenda on digitization and healthcare and medical innovation more generally. Uh, so my introduction to it was really through the events that the RSM held and being involved in some of the societies. So that's really helped me get a better understanding of what the RSM does, but also how it's helped influence digital health more generally. I, I, w- I would agree with that. Uh, I'm not a medic um, or clinician by background. I'm a patient. So I just like going to events there, seeing uh, what's on the agenda, what's happening. We did a very nice piece a couple of years back uh, with the RSM, uh, who were showcasing some of the innovations and Echo was selected as part of that. Sam, how do you reckon your role has really changed as a, as a clinician, as a digital health kind of leader since coronavirus? And then, um, and then the same for you, Stephen, after. Well, I think the role of a clinician and any clinician or anyone working in healthcare has been evolving for years. If I go back 20 years, uh, when we started using computers in healthcare environments, the world started changing from that point on. And what we've really seen with the coronavirus outbreak is a greater reliance on digital uh, technology and infrastructure. And certainly the way that I interact with patients at the moment has completely changed. 
And I don't think I would have really looked back a year ago and thought that we'd be undertaking so many remote assessments in my environment. But now we are very much doing this every day and it's become part of our normal workflow. So coronavirus has accelerated the pace at which digitization has come into my environment and many others across healthcare. And what I'm really seeing is clinicians having discussions about digitization and technology in healthcare that they wouldn't have ever had before. And what's really important is the public has got a greater appreciation of how they can access healthcare services through a digital channel. I'd, I'd completely agree. My favorite quote that's going around at the moment is uh, actually attributed to Lenin. And that's, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. And I think <laughs> with regards to digital health adoption, that really is the case. Um, since lockdown, we've just seen a boom across the board uh, in online services uptake. What's also really interesting from, from my perspective is our pharmacy, it's an online digital pharmacy, but typically uh, our average user was around 43 years of age before COVID-19 lockdown. Now it's trending to 65 years of age. So we are seeing a large scale adoption of digital services by a generation who previously didn't use them as much. Stephen, do you think this changes the way in which pharmacy will be defined in the future? Do you think that traditional perspective of what pharmacy is has now been altered completely? I'm not sure it's quite happening yet, but I do think that the role of online pharmacy and what it can do in terms of supporting people or self-isolating, even before COVID, um, we had people using our service with mobility issues, with social anxiety. And I think there's, a, there's a quite a large role now for us to play clearly, and that's been sort of seen in the growth that we've had in the last month. Um, but I think I would extend it to all digital services. People are reluctant to change things if it works. If, it, if it's not broke, why fix it, I think is the attitude. And particularly with risk, people are nervous about changing things because it's something you just don't want to get wrong. Um, what COVID has done and what lockdown has done, done has, has effectively forced people to try new things. And some of them will um, have tried stuff and enjoy using things and find it more convenient. Others will be just using it as a temporary measure and, um, you know, will most likely revert back afterwards. But this is a step change like we've never seen before. And it will be exciting to see in a year's time just how different uh, health provision looks across the NHS. What I find really interesting, Stephen, is that if I think back to pharmacy, and when I was in NHS England on the commissioning side, there was a lot of risk aversion in a really regulated environment. Like pharmacy's got more regulation and red tape than other environments that I can think of in healthcare. And everything was about a prescription in paper, written in black ink and signed, which was the way in which prescriptions were transacted. And I remember even something as simple as sending a prescription by email or fax was pretty much a no-no. But now it seems like all the rules have been modified overnight. Are you certainly feeling that in the pharmacy environment? Are you finding that there's a greater willingness to try things that maybe two or three years ago people were less willing to do? I'll be honest with you. We haven't seen a huge amount of change from a legislative perspective. Um, there have been things introduced within community care and community pharmacy that I think are, are quite um, 
uh, novel. So, but they don't apply to online pharmacy. We'd like to see a lot more in terms of change. Um, it's very, very hard still to obtain simple data sets. It's very, very hard uh, to navigate some of the interoperability layers. Um, but certainly what lockdown has done has exposed um, these things in, in, in greater contrast and will hopefully drive more changes. I mean, a good example, Sam, dentistry. Where is EPS for dentistry right now? Why can't you, as a dentist, send me as a pharmacy prescriptions so that we can deliver acute medicine to your patients? I think that's a really interesting question. And I think that one you know, equally applies in a secondary care environment or any other environment that doesn't use traditional GP prescriptions. And I'm certainly seeing that a lot of colleagues want to electronic prescribe, but because the functionality doesn't exist, it seems to be prohibitive. And I would welcome some sort of easy tool that could let a prescription go from whether it's a dental service or any other urgent care service or even a hospital to a community pharmacy or an online pharmacy that would allow them then to get dispense that medication, which at the moment is a really difficult thing. And I, and I think what COVID has really done is pushed the agenda and really made us question the way we currently work. And if there wasn't a business need before, it certainly yeah. feels like there's one now. 100%. And, and one thing that always gnaws at the back of my mind is there is an opportunity to do amazing stuff right now. We need to take it. Um, there is also a world in which things settle down, and I really do hope they will settle down, but we can't lose this momentum. If I look at some of the innovations, I mean, I think Acurix is a really good example of a startup who's come in and transformed if you're not familiar with acrix they have um, enabled gp consultations to happen online for i think something like 90 percent of gps they sprinted that over a weekend <laughs> um, and that's the sort of stuff that before would have taken years to to, to make happen necessity really is the mother of, in of invention right now. And, and I think we need to use this as an opportunity to push through some of the innovations and some of the thinking that's been held back by red tape and frankly, some vested interests for way too long. And can I ask a question to you, Sam, in particular? I, I, I'm really interested to know whether or not you think that um, we're getting the right innovations to patients right now. Do you think there's anything that really is, um, well, we're still not tackling right um, head on in this pandemic at the moment. I think that's really tough because decision makers that are responsible for getting the tech out there can only, I suppose, do the best they can with what's in front of them. And often that's based on what they already know. The problem is they don't know everything that's out there. Nobody could expect them to. So we really need to get much better asking people what they need, what they want, what their requirements are, and then trying to tailor digital solutions around those needs. At the moment, I think there are still a lot of unmet needs because we're still focusing, in some cases, on yesterday's problem and yesterday's solution. And I think patient needs are really evolving very quickly, more rapidly than they've ever done so before. And as such, we've got to do more to meet the needs, especially in relation to COVID and everything else that people are going to go through over the next few months so for example patients are going to have lots of unmet need beyond uh, COVID symptoms 
And we're going to need to get technology solutions out there to help them with those. For example, there might be patients with skin lesions or wounds or other things where technology that might help take an image of an area might help them to get access to care and might help optimize triage. It could be other things like physio. In the same way that we've got other areas of healthcare digitizing, what about things like physio? And I was thinking about this yesterday, what's gonna to happen to all these people who are sat behind a desk on a chair, they're gonna to start to get backache in a few months time and neck ache. Is there something we need to start doing to meet the needs of those individuals that might be increased? And what about all those people that can't access their regular services are waiting? What do we offer them that might help them manage and monitor their own conditions from home that they haven't done before. So I think it's great that places like the NHS in England are developing technology and rolling out technology that they know of. That's fantastic. But I do think we need to start working out what the other needs are and then looking to our partners to work out what technology solutions exist out there that could help us solve some of those things. And they might not come from the UK and they might not come from our traditional sources and we might have to think outside the box but I do think there's a lot more we need to do for people, for citizens and for clinicians. What about you, Stephen? What do you think? Is there anything that you can see from your end that we're, I mean, we, we touched on the, the dentistry side of it. And, um, but is there anything that if you had a magic wand, um, for example, and you could, you know, kind of uh, produce anything that would help you to accelerate innovation right now in this time of the pandemic, what would really help? Okay, um, be bear in mind we don't have the 15 hours it would take me to go through my long list. <laughs> uh, what we've mentioned before, so integration uh, for electronic prescriptions for dentistry and for secondary care. So a lot of my patients, particularly cystic fibrosis patients, are on 20 items. Some of those come from their GP, some of them come from their consultant. Uh, in a hospital setting, they're agnostic. They don't really care where it comes from. They just want a simple place to manage them all. Right now, we don't have an easy way to do that. So if we were somehow able to magic open EPS um, for hospitals, that would be a game changer. Ditto, roll it out to Scotland, roll it out to Wales, roll it out to Northern Ireland, um, areas that don't have any EPS uh, infrastructure at the moment um and could really benefit from it uh, at a time like this however the one thing that plays on my mind is um obviously the covid crisis um has been huge but i suspect what's coming next will be just as damaging today in the times there's reports that uh, almost two million people could lose their jobs the re recession um uh, that is predicted and its impact on mental health will be phenomenal. Um, it, we, have, we don't have enough counsellors, we don't have enough NHS um, psychologists and psychiatrists to go around as it is. I think we are going to see a mental health crisis and we need tools to help with that, um, ranging from sleepio for sleep, headspace, calm, you name it. I think getting those into the hands of people to help them cope um, and then some of the more sort of advanced um, services like ASO are going to be really, really important at this time because we are going to have, a, I think, a, a very, very significant uh, mental health shock effect that could end up costing as much as, um, as, as, as COVID uh, has so far to, in terms of its impact on society. That's so important. And 
we've got good examples from before of things like foot and mouth disease, where we've seen the impact that it had on farmers. And if, if we know that big crisis like that can have such an impact on society, we do have to do something right now to start planning for that inequality that will emerge because people will end up with mental health symptoms, conditions, and they'll have needs and needs that the system won't be able to cope with and needs that might have already been there, but it will just exacerbate the economic uh, situation if we don't do something about it. Do you think, both of you, do you think, um, I'll take it first to Sam first, that the NHS is coping and will be able to cope in the future with this, um, with the pandemic and the effects that it's bringing? I think what the great thing is, is everyone has got together politicians, policymakers, commissioners, managers, clinicians out there across the system, the healthcare workforce more widely, and society. And that includes everyone in all sorts of roles that are doing everything possible to support each other and the health system. And what that's meant, and that goodwill, has meant that the system, the care system and the health system are doing their best to cope. There's always more that we can do but clearly resource is limited and not just money, but also what's available. The difficulty here is, is a lot of people are holding back still. People aren't presenting with their conditions. Services aren't running in the normal way they did. So there's need that's building up in the system. And my worry would be in a few months time when eventually the, the way in which we operate changes, that some of the restrictions are lifted, that need will present. There'll be more unemployment out there. People that might have used private services may not be able to anymore. They might not have access to those services. People that are trying to access their normal clinician are going to struggle because they're going to be overwhelmed out there and will still have the effects of COVID going on in the system as well. So whilst the system is coping really well at the moment, everyone's working as hard as they can, we are going to have to think about a different way of delivering services in order to cope with the demand that will come later from all the unmet need. What about you, Stephen? What do you think? Do you think we're coping? And do you think we'll be able to cope? I think um, we are coping. And I think we will continue because we have to. And everyone across the NHS that I've spoken to, both in pharmacy land, GP land, you know, with, within the centre, everyone is pulling together and doing their best. And we are just getting a huge amount of stuff done very, very quickly um, and uh, people are being very pragmatic. So I, I think the rate, of, the, the rate of innovation, acceleration and, um, and your productivity is, is just through the roof and I hope it continues. Once lockdown is, is lifted, when it's lifted and the, um, the death rate flattens, we will probably enter a false sense of security that, well, you know, that was that and now it's over and we'll be exhausted. I think, you know, emotionally and mentally, we are all kind of, you know, I, <laughs> we've had enough of this by now. Um, and that's when things are at their most dangerous. That's when we can complacent, we can, we can slip back into old ways. Um, and apart from the fact that, you know, um, all projections suggest there'll be multiple ways of this and we may need subsequent lockdowns, the mental, the, the impact of recession, economics, and so on and so forth, is continuing, will continue to, to be a big challenge, and the healthcare system will have to bear the brunt of that. So it, it really is kind of a, 
a bonkers moment to be in this sector and industry, but we're seeing the best of everyone. And I'm feeling optimistic despite everything. And it's definitely positive amongst the digital health community. I think I've had more inbound requests in the last three weeks than I have in the last three years. That's what's saying something. And there's a lot of people who really want to help the system. A lot of people willing to give their time for free, their products for free, their services. Uh, and there's, there's a real will there to try and help the system. And I just hope that continues. Um, but there's certainly more activity in digital health amongst the community than there probably ever has been in the last three years, that's for sure. Well, I think that's an awesome note to end on here, to be honest. I think you guys have really delved into this in a really interesting way. We've got the, the, the coronavirus is one thing, but as you guys say, if we don't really get to grips with how we can use digital health services to really help the non-COVID related things to, to look after our patients as we normally would have done in a way that really does support them and their unmet needs, then we're going to have another problem on our hands. So I think... Um, I think uh, we've got a really exciting but challenging outlook in front of us and I'll be, ex I'll be excited to talk to you guys again um, at, on a, almost like a wrap-up session at the end of this to kind of reflect on what we thought happened happened as well. <laughs> Thanks so much guys. Thank you. Cheers, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RSM Digital Health podcast series from the Digital Health Council. Please remember that the views expressed in this podcast are of the speakers themselves and not of the RSM. You can continue to follow us on this podcast and tune in to the next episode. And also we'd love to have you down at some of the Digital Health Council events at the RSM, which you can find out more about at www.rsm.ac.uk. And we've put the links in the podcast description too. Bye for now.